Holy Chit. A spiritual podcast about the chit that happens every Sunday at the Ventura Center for Spiritual Living with Rev. Bonnie Rose. This week's talk is entitled, In Significance Here's Bonnie Rose. In 2006, the famous actress Reese Witherspoon won the Academy Award for Best Actress for the movie, anybody know the name of the movie she won for? Walk the Line. Woohoo! <laughs> you singing that for your second song by any chance? <laughs> Walk the Line, where she played June Carter Cash. And when she accepted the award, she said all of the appropriate things that an actress would say. She thanked all of the, the important people. She thanked her family. She said how excited she was that this girl from Tennessee who grew up listening to country music got to play the role of June Carter Cash and got to listen to all of that great music all of the time. And then she said something that has stuck with me for years and the reason why I'm talking about this today. She quoted June Carter Cash. She said that when people would come up to June and say, hey, June, how you doing? June would say, oh, you know, I'm just trying to matter. And that touches me. That moves me. Because I think we're all just trying to matter. We may not consciously know that, but something in us craves a life that is meaningful and a life that is significant. And what goes with this in this world of opposites is also the fear that maybe we don't matter and maybe our life is not significant and maybe that we're not enough. Not doing enough, not being enough. And so what I'm looking at in this, in this message today is just that relationship with significance. Are we destined to live a life of insignificance on this pale blue dot that we call the planet Earth? Or will we choose to live in space significance? Two words. Will we live in significance? I'll give you a hint. You already are significant because you're here on this pale blue dot called the planet Earth. But let me say a little bit more about the struggle first, the struggle that we have with insignificance. Part of it, I think, is because of what I talk about every Sunday. This is the first broken record portion of my, service, of my, my talk. You know, and if you're, if you're really young here, back when I was a girl, there were these things called records. <laughs> and they were made out of vinyl, and you put them on a machine and they would play music and sometimes it would get stuck and say the same thing over and over and over and over again. That's kind of how it is running a church. You say the same thing over and over and over again. So, <laughs> anyway, so, the binary nature. Our binary nature likes to, to separate things into good and bad or happy or sad or significant or insignificant. So there's that. And so it seems like we're always choosing between the two, and often we're choosing the one that will hurt us the most. Have you noticed that? <laughs> the one that makes you feel the worst about yourself. So we're choosing to feel insignificant. <clears throat> you know, and, and the way that we do that, I think, is that we postpone significance until a later date. And we define significant in terms of how much we've accomplished or how much people approve of us or whether or not we feel like we're enough. We say, when then thinking, when I have this, or when I accomplish this, or if this happens, then I will feel significant. But that leaves out the present moment. 
Another way that we also define our significance is through the past. I could never be significant because of this thing that happened in the past, because I did something wrong, because I, I let go when I should have held on, or I held on when I should have let go. And again, that robs us of the present. So we use things like that in our binary operating systems, in our binary minds that separates life into significant and insignificant, choosing the one that will, that will hurt us the most or that make us feel the worst, which is insignificance. We use that almost on a daily basis, and we may not even be using it consciously. So there's that. That's part of the struggle. But there's also this other sort of more mystical part of the struggle, too, in that, that reading that Hugh did by Carl Sagan, where really we are like a speck on a, on a speck. You know, when you think about the planet Earth in the, in the vastness of the cosmos, we're, we're a speck on that speck on that, of a pale blue dot, a tiny pale blue dot. We're a little tiny portion of that pale blue dot. It's like a flea having a flea, you know? <laughs> We're a flea's flea. <laughs> and it might be that we could use that to make ourselves feel insignificant. You know, that, that reading, I think, was more about how we make such a fuss over things when there's this whole vast cosmos. You know, I'm, I'm tempted to think of um, Shakespeare, who talks about... I feel my husband judging me for misquoting Shakespeare already, so I'm going to misquote it. <laughs> I know I have to start. You know, what I'm, you know what quote I'm thinking of. Yes, all the world's a stage. No, 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 not that one. <laughs> Another one. No, the one about how we strut and fret our hour upon the stage from the Scottish play, right? Right? And we strut and fret our hour, our hour upon the stage. I keep, what comes before that? What's a, what the, <laughs> never mind. Okay, we strut and fret our hour upon the stage. We're making a fuss. We're uh, a, a, a tale told, a tale of sound and fury told by an idiot. Okay. <laughs> and if you're looking for an idiot, hello. <laughs> I honestly meant to look that up before I came here today. <laughs> But really, you know, it's about how we make a fuss over everything, of the tale told of sound, of, of sound and fury, you know? Where we're making a fuss over everything that happens and we don't really need to because it's just a pale blue dot, people. It's just a pale blue dot and it's all impermanent, you know? And yet, it's still important. Carl Sagan gets to that at the end of his reading. It's our home. It's our home, and I love it how he says that the way, the way to make meaning on the fact that we're a flea upon a flea, that we're a dot upon a dot, is to treat our home and to treat each other with kindness. Now, part of that kindness, I think, is dismantling the way that we think about the world. Remember how I just said about the binary operating system, that it's either significant or insignificant, right? What if it's both? What if it's both? What if, yeah, in terms of the vastness of the cosmos, that we are vastly insignificant, that our sound and fury is vastly insignificant, but what if everything also matters at the same time? You know, when you think about the cosmos as the body of God, right? A lot of mystics will say that. Richard Rohr, for one, talks about that Christ is another name for everything that the incarnation happened with the Big Bang when, when the universe was created out of nothing? Who does that? Who thought that up, you know? But when you think of 
the universe as the body of God, the cosmos of the body of God, and then you relate it to our own bodies. You know, every, every part of our body is important. The parts that work, the parts that don't work, the parts we can see, the parts that we do see, everything is significant. I think about our cells, you know, the cell membrane. Cell membrane is so important. People cherish your cell membranes. <laughs> they are so important. Let me not go off on a whole epiphany about all of the different parts of the cell and what I remember from freshman biology. <laughs> but everything's important, and everything has meaning. And with that, I return to the Gospel of Thomas that says, <laughs> I mean, quote amnesia today. <laughs> <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is spread upon the earth, yet we do not see it. Now, if I were to rephrase that, which I do often, sometimes on purpose, sometimes not, I would say that the kingdom of significance is spread upon the earth, and we can learn to see it. And by significance, I mean significance beyond the, the opposites of significance and insignificance. It's kind of like, I don't know if I, can, if I can explain this well, but it's kind of like when you think about impermanence, that impermanence is a, is a constant state, but that makes impermanence permanent, doesn't it? <laughs> so it's the same thing with insignificance. Significance is the stronger principle because even our insignificance can be significant. So there's that. <laughs> So the kingdom of heaven is spread upon the earth. The kingdom of significance is spread upon the earth, and we get to choose to see it. How do we see it? How do we call forth this kingdom of significance that lives within us all the time? Well, you know, oddly, this week I was, I was led to read this, this book. I haven't read the whole thing, but I read part of it. It's a book about the, uh, the Kaizen method. Anybody know what that is? Kaizen method, it's a, yeah, I, I thought you might over there, yeah, and you too, yeah. It's a method of, of making very small steps towards any particular destination, okay? It's that the journey of a, of a 10,000 miles begins with a single step, and rather than doing huge innovative things in business or in healthcare or, or, or our own personal health, it's about making small steps, one right after the other. You know, they tell a story about a woman that was a single mom and she was struggling and she was just overwhelmed working two jobs and taking care of children and she came into the doctor and she, she was, her, there were issues with her health where just 30 minutes of exercise a day would have helped her. And the doctor was about to tell her, do 30 minutes of exercise a day. And the psychologist that was working with her was like, ixnay, in the early minutes they, you know, just <laughs> don't, don't tell her that, it's going to overwhelm her and then she'll resent it. The psychologist told her, just stand up when you're watching television at night and march in place for one minute. I've been doing that. <laughs> Marching in place for one minute. Even though I get a lot of exercise, I kind of wanted to try what it, that was like, you know. And so the next time she came back, she was enthusiastic. And she was looking for more opportunities to march in place. And she was looking for vaster opportunities to exercise. So it's that type of consciousness that small steps are significant. You know, certainly my, my training with, um, 
with service-based uh, global service organization to which I belong and many of our center members are involved, you know, they're always talking about focus on the small. I went to India, I went halfway around the world to learn to focus on the small, that that's how change is done. That's a very Gandhian principle. And not only focus on the small, but, but, but work with the slow story. Change doesn't have to happen automatically. We are telling a slow story of evolution here and it doesn't have to happen this minute. Now, I love instant gratification. Anybody? <laughs> Raise your hand if you love instant gratification. <laughs> right. But it doesn't necessarily have to be that way, and we can find instant gratification by committing to the slow story and focusing on intention, which I'll get to in a minute. The other reason I know that the kingdom of significance is spread upon the earth is because I've done probably 150 funerals or so in my time as a minister. And I've done all kinds of funerals, all kinds of memorials where people are loved and people are not particularly cared for and where people were, where nobody liked them and people were who committed suicide or people who died an untimely death or people who laid, who led a long productive life and without fail, without fail, people will come up on this stage or whatever stage we're on, whatever platform we're on and people will talk about how the deceased person mattered to them. And that person wasn't even trying to matter. But there were small gestures, small moments, small smiles, small hugs, even some of the adversities. It all mattered. It all matters. Everything that we do matters. So, Hopefully I've proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that the kingdom of significance is spread upon the earth and we get to see it. Do you believe me? <laughs> the thing is, is that how do we see it? All right, this is the second broken record portion of my service today, of my, my talk. And that is that we breathe, we become present, and we do small acts of kindness. We are willing to see the power of the small in the day-to-day -day moments of our lives. When we breathe, it seems like a small thing. Physiologically, it is not a small thing. It is powerful. There are millions and trillions of processes going on when we breathe. And perhaps our willingness to slow down and breathe and move into the present moment blesses the whole cosmos. Let me take out that perhaps. Our willingness to breathe deeply and slow down and appreciate where we are and move into the present blesses the whole cosmos, blesses the pale blue dot and beyond. And then there's this present-centered awareness that helps us recognize that small is beautiful. Small is beautiful and you start to see that in more and more aspects of your lives, of our lives. Want to hear what happened to us yesterday at our house? Thank you for asking. <laughs> a frog showed up in our pond. We didn't know we had that frog. We thought it had hopped away long ago because there's a lot of action going on in our backyard all the time with the dogs and the cat and the huge rabbit, you know? And we thought that the, that the frog had hopped away, but he showed up. And he actually sat there and he had a conversation with my husband. <laughs> 
And it was so sweet and so meaningful to me that this little frog, this little frog that may mean nothing to some people, but he just sort of blessed the home that night just by showing up. It reminded me of the time, another focus on the small, another thing that could be insignificant, the fine, this time that I found a tiny baby water turtle in our aviary. How did a water turtle get in our aviary? We thought it belonged to our box turtles who live there, who are, they're elderly, but they're quite randy, they're quite frisky. <laughs> and <laughs> but when I brought it into the vet, she said, no, no, this is a water turtle. A water, a water turtle. How did it get in your aviary? I don't know. It was a miracle. The Holy Spirit put it there. It's like the, like the Virgin Mary. I don't know. I don't know. But the thing about that water turtle, so it's, it, it was tiny when I found it. It's the size of a quarter. And I brought it into the vet, and it was literally in the pocket of my hoodie, wrapped in a little bag with holes poked in it. And the vet's like, animal's name. I'm like, baby turtle. Color, um, kind of brown, I think. Weight, I'm like, let me show you what we're working with here. <laughs> I pull it out, and it's literally, like I said, the size of a quarter. But I held it up, and the vet tech, who was quite disinterested at the time, is like, you guys, you got to come see this. And everybody from the back and everybody in the, in the waiting room came and looked at the baby turtle. <laughs> Again, something insignificant that brightened people's days and brought smiles. And who knows where the energy of that turtle went. I know where the turtle went. One of the vet techs adopted it and brought it home. And, and her, her grandma painted a mural for it in its, in its habitat. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, people. This has got to be God. <laughs> so that's kind of, you know, just kind of the, the random silliness of, of this small. But also, you know, there's a, a woman that I know, I don't know her well. We, we were acquaintances when I was in India. And, and she's, she's the head of an organization called Teach for India that, that teaches, that touches 32,000 children, touches their lives through education every year. 32,000 children every year. And one day, when we were at an event, she was the speaker, and she told this story about being at the Gandhi ashram with these children. And, and that being kids, you know, there are about 20 of them, and they, they take off your shoes when you go into the ashram, and they just threw their shoes all over the place. And one of our friends, Jayesh was his name, he went and just lined up the shoes. And Shaheen, my friend, said, you shouldn't do that. We should teach them to line up their own shoes. And Jayesh just said, you know what, let's just wait. Let's just wait. And again, they did it. They went into the Gandhi ashram, into another room, and they took off their shoes, and they threw them all over the place. Jayesh laid them out in rows. And then the third time, they went into the Gandhi ashram, and the children put their shoes in an orderly manner. Somehow, they learned, just through this gentle holding of the energy of Shaheen and Jayesh. They learned something about respect or kindness, or I don't know what it was. And it's such a small gesture to line up shoes, but yet, is it significant? Yes, of course it is. And here I am, again, literally, on the other side of the world, telling all of you. I have one more story about small things that matter. This one I hesitated to tell because, you know, when you do an act of kindness, you're supposed to kind of keep it secret. I didn't want to feel like I was braggy or anything, but, right, 
Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> we're working on the mic situation, by the way. But anyway, we're, you know, in, in this church, a lot of people, and I, I actually learned this from our, my friend Nipun, who's in service space. When he, he was working at, at the White House for a while, he was on a, on a special committee, and they were sitting around a circle with all of these mucky mucks at the White House, and they were asking, what inspired you? And Nipun said that before his ego could, could jump in, he said, well, what inspires me is the story that I heard about Starbucks where somebody paid for the person in the drive-thru, they paid for the person behind them, and, and the then that person paid for the next person, and then that person paid for the next person, and that went on for over 200 cars, 200 drive throughs right? And people in our center do that. I know, I know some of you, I've got my eye on you, I know that you do that too, but I have never done that. And so the other day, I went to Starbucks, and I was, it was a complicated order because I was buying stuff for other people. And there was a woman that was sort of coming at the same time as me, arriving in her car at the same time as me, and I wasn't sure. She either let me in or I cut her off. I wasn't sure which one it was. <laughs> but the whole time I'm standing in the line, I'm like, oh, this is a complicated order. You know, I'm sit sitting in my car on the line. This is a complicated order. I, I could possibly buy her stuff for her, her and her daughter. I don't think I want to. You know, how you have an act, an impulse for an act of kindness and you try and talk yourself out of it. Anybody else do that? I do it. I do it. Yeah, yeah. It's too much trouble. I don't want her to know. It'll be embarrassing. Maybe she'll think it's condescending. Blah, 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 blah. Right? <laughs> but anyway, I got to the top, to the front of the line. I did my order. It was complicated. The poor little thing behind me had to wait. She and her daughter. And finally, just without even intending to, I said, how much is her order? They told me. A little more than I thought it would be, actually. <laughs> but I said, I'm going to pay for it, but don't tell her. Don't tell her. Don't tell her. So I paid for it, drove away, and as I'm driving sort of opposite, I just wanted to look over to see how the order might have been received. And her teenage daughter, sitting in the passenger seat, saw me, and she goes, <laughs> Evidently, the barista told her <laughs> that it was me, but I just smiled and waved, namaste, and kept on driving. You know, and the reason that touches me, the reason that moves me, is that recently I've, been, I've just been around a series of complaints about teenagers, about how teenagers are, I won't even say, just how teenagers behave badly, and maybe they do, I don't know. I don't, well, yeah, I know some teenagers personally, and they're pretty nice, but, you know, just complaints about teenagers. And I'm thinking if it is a natural inclination for teenagers to test limits and what have you. You know, I had never heard about this paying for the person behind you in Starbucks thing until I was like in my 50s, right? But this teenager, the teenage daughter who waved at me, learned about it when she was, I don't know, 14, 15. And just maybe, just maybe, that tiny act will have an impact on her life. And we don't know where that tiny act is going to go. And so we breathe and we stay present. And we do small acts of kindness. And we focus on the slow story, recognizing, really, that it's okay to do that. Because the cosmos, that which created the pale blue dot, is in charge and has this well in hand and in heart. <laughs> so for our new members in particular, thank you so much for joining us on our crusade for kindness in our center of love. Thank you so much for being here. And I want you to really know from the bottom of your heart 
in the bottom of your heart that you are significant. I may not know how now. You may not know how you are significant now. We may not know how you are significant right in this moment. But just trust that you are because you're here. Not only here, and this is for all of the old members too, <laughs> because we're here on the planet Earth. We are significant. And it is through our conscious breathing, acts of kindness, focusing on the slow story, staying in the present moment, that we will awaken to our significance and live in space significance so that we may bless not only our own lives, but the life of the entire cosmos. Let's do that now and let us pray. Thanks for listening to this week's Holy Chit, a spiritual podcast about the chit that happens every Sunday at the Ventura Center for Spiritual Living with Reverend Bonnie Rose. If you like what you hear, come join us in person at the Ventura Center for Spiritual Living. Check us out online at www.venturacsl.org. And so it is.